Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Thank you so much for joining us again today on the program. I trust you've been tuning in every week. We've been doing a series uh, over the last two weeks out of the book of Daniel that I trust has been a blessing to you. Uh, Tell your friends about us to tune in. Help us to get the word out where we're broadcasting from and that you're enjoying this, if you're enjoying this. And uh, let me just also say to you that if you have missed any of the prior programs, they are archived on our YouTube page again. And you can go to uh, our YouTube page simply by going to the address on our website. It's also on the screen, I'm sure, the website address. And there's a direct link there from our website right straight to our YouTube page where everything we have aired to date you can view it on demand on your smart device, on your smartphone, on your computer, on your Roku, on so many different ways that you can get it on demand and go there and watch it. And then feel free to share it on your Facebook if you've really enjoyed something that was spoken uh, and it's blessing you. Share it on your Facebook page because it, uh, it helps us get the word out as well. I, I believe that the influence through social media is one of the most powerful outlets that, you, that we have as far as getting the gospel out. So you can be a part of helping us get the gospel out, and it doesn't cost you anything except for a moment to share that. Uh, we're going to get back into the Word today, and uh, I want to go to the book of Daniel, and we're going to, uh, again, this is our third segment dealing with it. But we're going to begin to read. Let me just read it to you, and then we will uh, begin to uh, un- unpack some details today. It says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Asphenes, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes. He's looking for the cream of the crop. He's looking for the best. He's looking for royal seed. He's looking for, if you will, if I could put it this way in terms, he's looking for you, the believer, the born again. God, in, I believe, this pictures in the book of Daniel, just where we're at sometimes, in, uh, there's some great parallels to where we're at, I believe, in human history. Because here we have, if you will, a king of Babylon who is a, they're in the middle of a absolute confusion. You know, Babylon, Babylon, sorry, literally means confusion. But we are standing really in an hour when there is confusion everywhere. You really don't know what to believe. You don't know whether to believe the media. You don't know whether to believe the news. You don't know whether to believe any more, you know, uh, even what's coming from religious outlets. You really just don't know what to believe. Sometimes it's a time of great upheaval and Babylonian captivity. It was not the best of times is what I'm pointing out to you. But right in the middle of this, God was raising up a cream in the crop that would even in the time of a bad political climate and the middle of a bad religious climate that God would raise up four men that would end up running the government and end up being a voice of the Lord in the middle of a season when they so desperately needed clarity and a word from God as to what was going on. It was in this climate that God raises up a Daniel, a Shadrach, a Meshach, and a Bendigo, and he raises these men up and gives them influence and power in the kingdom. And the king, when he began to call for these men, he was looking for people who were not flabonites. He was looking for people that was of the king's seed and of the princess. He's looking for royal blood. 
I believe there's royal blood listening to me today. I believe you are king's kids. I believe you're sons of the most high God. And I believe that there are people sitting there listening to me who've got dreams in your heart of influencing and, and affecting stuff around you. You know, I think we have taught a message so long about evacuation that we forgot Jesus said occupy. And so I believe there's some folks that are going to begin to rise up and say, you know what, let's, let's just even lay aside the whole eschatological thing and what you believe about end times. And let's just say, let's just forget the whole thing about that for a moment, but say, listen, whatever the case is, equip yourself to occupy. Because I believe that's what God was saying here. I believe that, that God wants to raise up people who are going to influence our educational systems. There are school teachers probably listening to me today because this is probably airing during the summer season. And I want to say to you that you that shape the minds of our young people, uh, you are probably some of the most powerful people in the world because you are equipping them. You know, a few weeks ago, it's, it's actually uh, at the time we're filming this, it is a teacher appreciation season. And I sent a note to uh, a couple of the teachers that, uh, you know, were probably my favorite teachers in high school. And one of them said to me at an event not long ago, they said, I've read all of your books. I've actually written four now. They said, I've read all of your books. You did a fantastic job. And I was totally surprised, first of all, that this teacher had read all my material. She said, you did a fantastic job, and I'm really proud of you. And I said, well, you know, if I would have known that I was going to affect this many people, I would have paid more attention in your class. And I would say to someone, maybe if there's young people listening to me today, and, uh, you know, you're wondering, should I go back to college? Should I? Listen, if that's a dream in your heart, I encourage you. I encourage you to be effectual no matter where you're at. And, I, and again, I thank God for teachers that are shaping the minds of people because when Daniel and these Chadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and all these guys are called, they're not only the king's seed, but verse 4 says, it was children in whom was no blemish, but well favored, and skillful in all wisdom. In other words, they were equipped before they got here. And cunning in knowledge and understanding science. Look, science was important. <laughs> you know, I think sometimes we minimized and almost celebrated, you know, uh, almost celebrated, I think sometimes ignorance, especially in the religious world that we're so, even biblically, I, I'm trying to stop, I, I don't want to come off insulting here, but sometimes we're so biblically illiterate or we don't have an understanding of things uh, to the point that we, we're not effective anywhere because it's almost like we just, you know, we're not equipped for anything. You know, one of the things that I have to say, and I, I, you know, those of you who follow us know what we already believe anyway about eschatology, so I'm not letting the cat out of the bag, but, you know, in, in the early 70s, back when I was in high school, and we came into high school, and it was, uh, you know, at that time we were under tremendous legalism and law. I call it Babylonian captivity, and and I'll say in defense of those who taught me a lot of that stuff, they did the best they could with what they knew at the time. And so they were just serving God the best they knew. But it was sometimes, see, we perish for a lack of knowledge. And we can perpetuate that ignorance or we can change it. But in those days, it was a sin to take physical education in high school. And the reason it was a sin is because it was, uh, you had to wear shorts in order to do it. And if you were going to wear shorts, then you were going to go to hell. And so I can remember going into our high school and opting out of physical education because it was a sin to do it based on our religious belief. My principal said to me, he said, I, I respect your religious beliefs. Uh, 
But I cannot give you a high school diploma without at least two credits of physical education. And my pastor looked across the table at me and he said, listen, son, you don't need an education. You'll never see the end of the 70s. Jesus will be back before the 70s are over. Now, what that did in the heart of a young kid is said, I'm thinking, what's the use to study then? I mean, I never even thought about going on to college. I've went on now after many years of study, you know, to receive several degrees. But the truth of it is, is that, that, that really stole from me a passion to quit my suffer stuff. And I'm afraid so many have said under that kind of teaching that was erroneous, that we didn't equip a generation for political office, for teaching school, for becoming doctors, or, uh, you, you know, or entertainment uh, industry, or any of those things that could influence the hearts and minds and lives of people. But while we were not uh, training people to, you know, that could, uh, you know, affect things as salt and light in the world, that the enemy was raising his to do that. And our schools became more and more liberal and people began to get more and more. And, and we're still struggling. I'm telling you, it has entered into the mindset and ideologies, even of the church world, to the point where we have a generation among us that have lost sight. And that, that's what happened here, even with the children of Israel. They were in Babylonian captivity so long that after a while they even lost their tongue and their dialect. They don't remember, you know, and I, I was thinking, me, I was with a pastor not too long ago who was a little older than me, and he said, you know what, there's a generation among us who've never seen the power of Pentecost or the miraculous that we saw in revivals where people were miraculously healed, and I know we're seeing some things happen, and we're seeing people healed, but I, I'm afraid, you know, what we need to do is hold on to the good stuff that we got from Pentecost, cast away the confusion and grow and, and continue to, you know, preach a message that I believe is effective that's salt and light in the world. I was watching a program the other day about the pilgrims when they came over here, and one of the main scriptures that motivated the pilgrims to come to this great country was out of Matthew where he says, you're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world, you're a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. See, the church is to be the influence and when we get jammed back behind our four walls, where we become an entertainment-based religious system that does not equip people like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that does not train king's kids, we are going to lose something in our culture. Most of our schools that are now liberal were at one time seminaries. And within just, a you know, not even a hundred years have digressed to the point where we've lost our influence, our salt. And he said, if the salt loses its savor, it's good for nothing except to be cast out. Now, I'm not trying to preach a gloom and doom message. I'm trying to preach a wake-up message. I'm trying to tell you, if you want to see things change, it's time to engage the culture and equip yourself. Because when the King Nebuchadnezzar was looking for some real answers in the middle of some real crises, in the middle of his dreams and visions that his astrologers and his soothsayers could not give him answers in. He turned to somebody who had some understanding and a relationship with the living God, some real prophets, some real dream interpreters. You know, I was just not noticing the other day, and I'm not trying to be, again, negative in this program, but I see believers who say things like, you know, we're sending good vibes. We're sending you positive energy. And, uh, you know, I'm not trying to be critical, but are you ashamed to say, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to believe God. 
you know, some things that really, you know, in other words, the astrologers, the soothsayers, when it came down to the rubber meets the road, man, these guys didn't have any answer. And had it not been for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they'd all lost their heads because the king said, I'm just going to kill all of them because until somebody comes up with the answer to my dream, uh, we're just going to get rid of all the wise men. And Daniel stands up and says, listen, man, there's a God in whom as the answers are in, and he said, give us a little season to pray. And four men, four men, four insignificant people, you might say, got together and prayed until God gave some answers. You may say, well, man, you know, uh, you, you're sitting in front of these cameras affecting all these people, but I'm just a little lady sitting in my living room, uh, you know, watching you. I, I'm going to tell you the power of prayer is incredible. The power of four people, four people. See, the power of agreement in prayer with four people, ended up changing the nation. So don't you ever sit there and think, I'm insignificant. I don't play any role. I'm telling you, your prayers are important. I'm also saying to people who've got dreams, and, and, you, and I believe they're God dreams. I believe that's one of the reasons we've lost our young people in our churches is because we've stolen their dreams from them of wanting to be doctors and lawyers and, and uh, entertainers and uh, sports figures. And uh, we encourage that in ours. You know, when I begin to, uh, to understand some things concerning the kingdom, and again, you don't even have to deal, uh, believe what I believe eschatologically uh, about end times. I fully believe that the last days are not in our future, they are in our past. And if you want more information on that, you, we've got all kinds of stuff on our website that I think would help you understand. We have one called uh, a series that we just did called Grace Leadership Conferences on Eschatology that really deals with a whole lot of stuff. But uh, the point of my message today is not simply eschatology. Uh, it is to point to you that it, regardless, you know, I would rather prepare and I would rather raise up King's kids equipped to change our world just in case we don't leave. I mean, my deal is what if, what if, you know, they told me, like I said, Jesus would be back before the seventies were over. This is 2017 and we're still here. And now we are reaping a whole lot of stuff that we, that we could wouldn't have had to reap. I don't believe if we will equip some people to engage and affect some stuff going on around us. So I'm going to do that. And when then I stand before God, and he's just going to say, thanks. You tried too hard and you believe me too big. I'd rather believe God big and preach occupy and, uh, you know, and, and, and dominion and authority of the believer and see us change some things in our culture rather than become subcultures and kick to the side and live in this Babylonian confusion. I believe God's a God of restoration. And so, you know, these, these people began to have some understanding and knowledge and understanding in science. They had the ability to stand in the king's palace. They, were, they had some, some class about them, you know. And, and uh, you know, I think sometimes it's good for us even to be able to uh, understand, you know, how to set a table properly because you never know when you're going to be, uh, you know, in, in front of kings and politicians. Back when I wrote uh, the book... Uh, the revelation of Jesus Christ in, in uh, 2007, I got invited to a presidential dinner. Never dreamed growing up whenever I was in, uh, you know, in high school thinking I didn't have a future that I'd, ever, that I'd ever be at a presidential dinner invited there as an invited guest. And, uh, and, and so I, I, had to, I literally took a lesson on which fork to use because I'm thinking, you know, I think sometimes we have so diminished 
the ability of our dreams to reach into places where they really are anxious to hear from you until we, uh, we, you know, we're not equipped to stand in the presence of, if you will, politicians or royalty. But I believe there's people out there that are hearing me today. And, you know, we started teaching this a number of years ago in our church and, and uh, to our children. And we started teaching them, you've got a future. I'm so glad we did. Because today we have in our, in our church and even in my family, we have doctors, medical doctors. We have chiropractors. We have uh, my son is an executive producer for our television program. Never dreamed when I sent him to college for, for all of this stuff that he would be uh, working with me on this level. It's just a great fulfillment to see that happen. My oldest son is a pastor. We have people in our church who are dental hygienists. We have uh, plant managers. We have chief financial officers. We have law enforcement people. We have, I mean, it just, go, the list goes on because we began to teach them to equip yourselves. And you know, then we, we stopped sitting around waiting on God to bless us financially on some check to come in the mail. Because what happens is, is the check comes and it gets a whole lot better when you've equipped yourself for something. And all of a sudden then see, everything starts to gain momentum and then income for the church can go up as people begin to realize that the focus, and I think this is a missing piece in some areas, that the focus is to seek first the kingdom of God. I think in many places we've lost the kingdom priority. We let everything else come first. And I believe that it's that, that God wants to restore us back to a kingdom priority where we realize, listen, you know, everything that we're about and everything we're doing, and the reason we have this quality of life that we have is because of the kingdom of God we live in too. So let's sow back into that. You know, I, I think about, you know, the people that I've seen come through even our youth camp that, uh, you know, are, are now professionals, maybe entertainers and, and uh, surgical uh, technicians, all kinds of stuff. And, and I think to myself, you know, sometimes whenever they come out of school, you've taught them to that, sometimes the things of the world can steal their heart. But as we return back to a kingdom priority, and we return back to, we're here to change things. Our assignment is to, to uh, change and, and to ease the suffering of the human condition, to be the salt and the light and the influence in the world that could give us the abundant life. See, to me, the real gospel has not robbed me. We were sitting on the porch the other day, my son and I and his father-in-law, and we were talking about my son's father-in-law said, well, what do you think heaven is like? I said, well, I think it's a whole lot like right here. I said, I don't know how we could ask for a better life. I said, what we're preaching has produced a quality of life for us. It has not robbed us of our dignity. It has not robbed us of feeling like we could wear something in style. It's not robbed us of enjoying life. But it really has given us life. And that's what Jesus said he came to do. I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And so, you know, I believe that as, they go, as you go down through this story, that they, they were men that were called and qualified because of they had equipped themselves prior to this, and then they end up, you know, beginning to grow. Because I believe favor. I believe God, you know, gives favor. And favor is not fair. It's grace. It's by grace. And God just gives us favor. He gives us influence. When I look at some, some of the things that have happened over my lifetime in ministry, it was nothing but the grace and the favor of God to open doors to, you know, even, you know, I might say this. I, I hope that the person who did this would not be offended by me sharing. But I think about, you know, as I sit here and talk about these things, I think about when I got invited to go to Washington to a presidential dinner that 
there was a young man that used to pick me up on, uh, to church when I would be preaching in Tennessee. And I'd be preaching, and uh, his pastor would send him to pick me up. And at that time, he was just working on the UPS docks as an employee, working himself through college. And he would pick me up in an old VW. And uh, he would drive me to church, and uh, I just developed a rapport with him and, you know, kind of talk with him and got to be friends with the guy. Uh, You know, I get in cars now, and and my drivers a lot of times will say to me, well, uh, you know, you're different than the other guys. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, some of these other guys don't even talk to us. They sit in the back seat. They fold the seat forward. They grunt when you talk to them. And I'm like, "I, I just can't understand men of God acting like that. And if you're a man of God and you're listening to me and you're acting like that, let me just say to you, stop it. Because you never know that the guy driving that car might be the key to the king's palace for you. Because that young man driving that, that car in that beat up Volkswagen who most people would have marginalized and not seen the value in, he ultimately became you know, a, a, a chairperson for the Republican Party uh, for the state of Tennessee. And he is the one who got me invited Uh, to Washington. And so you never know that big doors swing on small hinges. The key to the palace for Joseph was not somebody in the palace. See, we think if we rub shoulders with the big boys and uh, we get to know people who are famous, that's going to do something for us. But for Joseph, it was the guy that was sharing a cell with him that was going to be the key to the palace. It's the guy who you marginalize, who you don't think is worth something. It's the little kid who's a little kid now who's going to grow up to be a politician or he's going to grow up to be a a banker or a lawyer or, or whatever it is. You just never know. In other words, value people. Value people where they are at because you never know what they're going to become. And besides that, it's not, it is not difficult to give respect and honor to people And I believe that people deserve honor and respect. I don't care how famous or how well you think you are. They deserve honor and respect. And, uh, you know, uh, and, and, and I think when you respect them, you never know. See, guys, I'm preaching for today. Uh, that that were, were not even born when I was preaching for their daddies, grew up around me and always spent time with their kids and paid attention to them. Now they're senior pastors in in, in, uh, in, in churches. I just give a little shout out to one of my buddies down in Birmingham, Alabama. I think about Justin Carrier, who, uh, you know, just a uh, outstanding young man. Great church there in Hueytown, Alabama. And, uh, uh, you know, just uh, he's, I, when I started preaching for his dad, he wasn't even born yet. But I grew up singing to him songs and riding to church with him and, and just paying attention to him, never thinking one of these days he's going to become the senior pastor of the church there. And so I find as I've gotten older, there are a whole lot of young guys that I'm preaching for that I'm glad I paid attention to while they were small. You say, what are you saying? I'm saying value everybody. I'm saying some of the most powerful people in the world may be sitting right there in your living room and they've not just equipped themselves yet. When I look back at even the history of my own family, and I think about how we used to sit on the front porch of the home place and we just sat there and dream about, you know, one day maybe, you know, I, we sat there, maybe we'll go to Florida. One day maybe we'll go here. And I mean, we, we were seven kids at home and my dad had to work a lot. And so we just sat on the porch. Mom didn't drive. We think, boy, I wish somebody just come visit us. But it was always difficult to get people to come visit, you know, this tribe of kids on the hill. But you know what's amazing now is that they come here from all over the world, from the nations of the earth. They come here when we host conferences or camp meetings and some of the things that we do. 
and have affected world leaders. And, and, and for me, uh, the dream of going places. I used to think, well, it must really be something to go to Florida. Now, I, I get on a plane, a train, or an automobile so much that I wake up in the middle of the night and think, where am I? Uh, but God took a family that was a poor family on a hill, and God invested something in that family, and that family's now touching the world. There are several of my siblings who are involved in all kinds of different ministries. My brother pastors a church and does a great work with life or drugs in our city and is touching a lot of people who are uh, addicted to opiates. My oldest sister and her husband are the senior pastors of the church that I attend. My oldest son is a pastor in Winchester, Virginia. Uh, you know, and the list goes on and on. But I think sometimes when you're setting in those environments, you're thinking nothing is ever going to be changed. If this is it, stop the world and let me off. But you don't know the dreams and the plans that God has for you. If you just go ahead and follow the dream and equip yourself with the education, and usually probably what makes your eyes light up is what you're called to do. I don't believe God makes you do something you don't want to do. People say, well, I, I wouldn't even be in the ministry, but God made me to do it. You're in the wrong business. I'll just say that to you right away. You need to go do what makes your eyes light up because that's what you're going to excel in. I, don't be I believe when God really calls you to something, He will turn your heart to it because the Scripture says this, let the peace of God rule your heart. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, the Amplified Bible said, let the peace of God act as the umpire in your heart, settling with all finality every question that will arise. I knew it was time for me to go into full-time ministry the moment God began to turn my heart to it. But God didn't just turn my heart to it. He also turned my wife's heart to it. And both of us were in agreement as to, I believe God is calling us for something great. I believe that's the situation that's going on here in the book of Daniel, is that there are changes that desperately need to be made in our world because we preach an optimistic end-time view or an optimistic eschatology does not believe. We believe that everything is okay. There are some very real problems in our world. But we can sit back and complain about it and curse the darkness. Or we can begin to speak light and life into it and begin to engage it, the culture where it's at, and begin to turn some things around. I don't believe it's over by any stretch of the imagination. I, I believe that our involvement in it is what's going to begin to cause things to be different. And you know what God did? He raised up in this particular day these four men, and they changed the outcome of the history of the nation of Israel. And they saved the lives of many people, including themselves, and of the other astrologers and soothsayers, and, and the ones that Daniel was looking for. I believe politicians are looking for somebody who's got a word from God and some answers for some real problems in our world. And I believe God wants to raise up some real apostles and prophets, some real evangelists and some real pastors and teachers who are going to rise up with some answers. And in the moment that they need it, God will have them strategically placed in the right places. Equip yourself. That's what I'm saying today. Uh, God gave us apostles, prophets for the equipping of the saints to do the work of service. We're about to run out of time. And uh, I, I thank you for joining us again today. Uh, if you want to get behind what we're doing, this is what God spoke to us to do. I believe we're making a real effect and impact on the world. But if you'd like to get behind it, it takes your help and partnership to do it. Perhaps you've been one of those who fulfilled your dream to become a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. And you've got finances and you want to remember that kingdom mandate of seek first the kingdom. We would gladly thank you to sow into our ministry to help us continue to teach like this and to take 
take the gospel of the kingdom around the world and, and, and around the globe through media and through our traveling ministry. Do it today by calling the number on the screen or go to our website. I'm very excited to announce the release of my newest book. It is titled From Law to Grace, A Kingdom Paradigm Shift. In this book, we talk about how the gospel is not about a law you have to keep. It is about receiving a life that will keep you. It is not about living this life out of fear. It is about living a life of faith. It is not about rules. It's about a relationship with a loving father. It is about moving from the old covenant government of condemnation to the new covenant government of affirmation. It is about living life as a citizen of the kingdom right now.